Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Mark Bockstein, who during his near-death experience became everything that ever was or ever will be. Mark, thank you for being my guest and welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, Mark, if you don't mind, let's start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there. This happened in 1970 when I was 20 years old. It happened between my senior and junior year of college. It was summer break and I died and, and I came back and it was the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me. And, and I still am, remember it as if it happened yesterday. And the only way I could describe it is, let's say that my body is made of sand and behind me is the biggest fan in the world. And you turn the fan on and all my molecules go into everything that ever was or ever will be. And I know everything and I am everything and I'm pure thought. I'm, I'm no longer in a body. There's no longer any time. There's no longer any space. And I am everything. And it's un just unbelievable. And I have all the knowledge that I never had. All the dichotomies of this world have were solved. You know, here there's there's love, there's hate, there's hot, there's cold. None of that there. It's just pure love, pure love and pure thought. And then you reverse the film and all the molecules come back into my body. And I wake up and I'm me again and I can breathe again and I'm in a body again. And I can I can see and I can hear and I can taste and I can smell and I can touch. And my senses is what give me an I am consciousness and make me me. Otherwise, I'm really everything that ever was or ever will be. And I'm me at the same time. It, it was just an amazing thing. And uh, it's, it's I, I, uh, the only other example I can give is if you take a dropper that has water in it and that little bit of water that's in the dropper, you squeeze the dropper, and the water that's in the dropper goes into the ocean. And the, the, this dropper is like your body. The water inside is like your soul. And when you put the water from inside the dropper into the ocean, it becomes the whole ocean. There's no distinguishing between the little water in the dropper and the ocean anymore. It becomes all of it. And that's pretty much what happened to me. And the only difference is when I came back, I didn't have the knowledge that I know that I knew when I was everything. So 
I, I describe it like I came back with the straight edges. And what I mean by that is if when you do a puzzle, the first thing you do when you do a puzzle is you, you do the straight edges because those are the easiest parts to put together. And, and then you start filling in the puzzle with the rest of the pieces. And, and what happened in my life is every once in a while, uh, another piece of the puzzle fits in and I remember that part and I'm like, oh yeah, that happened too. I remember that. It, 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 it's just so amazing. And, and once in a while, I'll have a piece of the puzzle fit when I'm at an, an IANS meeting. IANS is the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And when I had this happen to me in 1970, there was no IANS. There was nobody to talk to about this. And I, I, and I was like, you know, how come I came back? What, what, what really happened here? And I knew I died, and I knew I had all that knowledge. But none of that made any sense to me. But I was just so glad I was alive and that I came back. Anyway, when nowadays I've been going to IANS meetings for maybe 25 years. Unfortunately, during this COVID, we, uh, we stopped going in person. But every once in a while at an IANS meeting, uh, a lot of people that have had near-death experiences come to that meeting. And when we talk about it with each other, once in a while, we'll fill in the blanks for each other. You know, it's, it's a terrific meeting, and especially with people that they don't have to have a near-death meeting, near-death to come to the meeting. If they're interested in the topic, they can come. Uh, the woman who had started the meeting, she's died, she's no longer here, but she was a doctor, and she was interested in the topic, and she gathered us together, and we started meeting together, which was really nice. Uh, as far as how I look at my life now, it's completely different than it was then and uh, or before my near-death experience. Uh, I was at the point where I could go off with the Dalai Lama or I could become an attorney. So I chickened out and I became an attorney. Uh, it kind of jump-started my spirituality. Uh, it's something that you can't explain to somebody else. It's, it's, I'll give you another example. And, and this didn't really happen, but it's the only way I could describe it. It's as if I was playing a game with some entities, no place, no time. And they would, I would live a lifetime and they would shoot deja vus at me. And if I got the clue that I had already lived that lifetime, I would win the game and it would be their turn to play. But I never won the game and it was always my turn to play. And so I'm always living lifetimes. It's almost as if we're all everything that ever was or ever will be. We just don't remember it when we are in this physical body and with this limited mind, because this mind cannot comprehend what I had experienced. And so maybe that's why I, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the knowledge, although I know I knew it at the time. It, it, it's, it, it was just so wonderful that, that that happened to me. 
And uh, and why did it happen? I have I don't know. And why I came back, I don't know. Uh, all I know is it changed the way I look at life. And even now, I'm I'm 72 now. Uh, that experience was probably the most profound experience that I have ever had in my life. Thank you for sharing your experience with us, Mark. Now, when you first died, did you immediately pop into this place or did you go through a tunnel or anything? Well, there was a kind of a tunnel. I, I kind of describe it as lightning passing through a straw. And it, it, it was, it, it, this was when I was still almost conscious and I became the light. It wasn't, it wasn't that I went through the light. I became the light. It was like a flash. And in one second, I was everything. And, and it was this, like I was the wall. I was the fish tank in my office. I was you. I was every soul that ever lived before and that will ever live after. Because there is no time. There is no space. So it, everything was simultaneous. And it was just a, an all-knowing and I would, you know, the way I say thought, like, for instance, if I picture my dog in my mind, I can picture my dog in my mind. And my, I had the best pit bull in the world. His name was Gideon. And uh, he, he's, he's, he died already. And he was just the most the magnificent dog. And I can picture him in my mind, just like you can picture your parents or whoever you want in your mind. That's the thought. It's kind of like when you have a cartoon and you're bubbling the thoughts away. That thought and the picture that I have in my mind of Gideon has no form. I mean, it has form because I can see it, but it, it's not real. It has no molecules. It has no atoms. It has no energy. I don't believe it has an energy. It's just a thought in my mind. And I, you can have a lot of thoughts. I could picture my father in my mind. I can picture any of those things. And that's what I was. I was just pure thought. And, 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 and I believe that I've died many times. And I think everybody has. People just don't remember. And one of the things that kind of proved it to me, during my life, I've always been attracted to girls with muscles and, and calves and muscles on their arms. And uh, I don't know. And I never understood that. I just loved that. I loved it, you know, and, and if some girl could make a muscle, I was like excited. It was great. So when I came back, I remembered a lifetime and it was many lifetimes, but I didn't recall them all. Just like I say, I came back with the straight edges. And one of the lifetimes, I was a cowboy out West and I married the dance hall girl who had these great muscles. And, and it was a terrific, wonderful lifetime and I died in that lifetime. I was trying to break up a bar fight and I got shot in the mouth and I died. And I remembered that lifetime when I came back. And then I said to myself, no wonder I am attracted to girls with muscles. And so it kind of it kind of verified that that I actually did live that lifetime because it made sense. Otherwise, you know, and that was the first time I understood why I had that attraction. And uh, so to me, it kind of was a validation that that was one of my lifetimes. 
because I didn't remember that lifetime all my life until I came back from this near-death experience. And so that was just one of the funny things that, that kind of cleared things up for me when, when I came back. And there's a book that I recommend to people. Uh, it's called The Spirituality of, of Imperfection. And it's by Ernest Kunz, K-U-N-Z, and Catherine Ketchum. And that book talks about the goal of what this journey in life is not to prove that we are perfect, but to find some happiness and joy and peace in the reality of our imperfection. And that's such an amazing statement. And that's kind of what this book is about. So if anyone sees this video and wants to know more about this type of thing, that's a great book. Uh, just like Illusions by by Richard Bach. Have you ever read Illusions by Richard Bach? I haven't. Well, that's a great book, too. And it talks about that life is an illusion. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, obviously life for me is not an illusion because I'm here. I'm real. You're real. I can talk to you. You know, I, I can I can see and touch and smell and hear. And my senses discriminate me from realizing that I'm everything that ever was and ever will be. So the senses are actually limitations. But I think that I'm here to enjoy being in the physical and, 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 and having a physical body and having pleasure and having pain. Now, nobody really wants to have pain, but you can't have one without the other. And coming back into this body was wonderful. You know, some people in my near-death experience, uh, you know, meetings, they don't want to come back. They think that it's so beautiful and so wonderful and the love is so amazing that they want to stay there. Well, when I came back, and now, like I say, I'm not with anybody. I was just everything there was. And my thought was, I want to go back. And as soon as I had that thought, I was back in my own body. And I was so shocked that I went through this and that I actually came back. It was it was something that was wonderful. So let's hope they don't call back again. <laughs> so you said you had some questions. Whatever you have, let me see. Now you said this jump started your spirituality. Before this happened, were you religious or spiritual at all or an atheist? Well, I always believed in God. It wasn't that I didn't believe in God, but I don't have a, a big bush that talks to me. You know, I don't have uh, I don't have any proof that God exists, but I always, you know, I, I grew up, I'm Jewish and I grew up believing in God. I never actually spoke with God. I never had a conscious contact with God. Uh, but when this happened to me, I'll give you another example. You know, people ask me, you know, why do you believe in God after this happened to you? How do you know God exists? And I, I say, well, you look, you can't see God. You can't hear God. You can't taste God. You can't smell God and you can't touch God. So your senses cannot prove to you that God exists. But if you think about love, like, let me show you love. I have this beautiful pit bull of mine, right? I was so in love with this dog and he was so in love with me and I'm in love with my wife and I'm in love with my daughter. And the, you can't see, hear, 
touch, smell, or feel, or you can see, hear, touch, and smell love. But you can feel love. You know love exists. You know when you love somebody. You can feel that. And today, I can feel the presence of God. I could be in the room this in my IONS meeting with these people. There's, the vibrations in the room are kind of different than vibrations anyplace else. And I can feel the presence of God. I can feel God talking to me through these people. Now, it sounds kind of funny. But it's true. And if anyone who believes in God, they can feel God as well. So it's not like you can prove that God exists through your senses. It's something that you can feel, just like you can feel love. Because love is a feeling. Love is something that you can't prove either. It's, it's something that's, that's greater than me and greater than whoever the person is that I love. As I feel them, I know I love them. And everybody knows that because if you love somebody, you can feel the love. So that's the kind of spirituality that I have with, with God now. And I choose to have God help me in my life. I never had done that before. I was always, I don't need God. Uh, you know, it's nice that God exists, but I'm a man. I could do it myself. I, I don't need God's help. Well, one time I needed God's help and I humbled myself before God and I asked for God's help. And nowadays I feel that I can do that. I can allow myself that pleasure. Now, does that mean God is listening to me? That does that mean God exists? No. But if I choose to believe, I can choose to believe anything with this limited mind. And some things make life easier and some things don't make life easier. And you can choose to do whatever you want in your own body and in your, with your own mind. So after your experience, how did you change as a person? I don't know. You know, I, I, obviously I looked at the world a little bit differently, but I always thought I was a good person. I always thought I was a, a person of character. My, I don't think my character changed after that. I, I think that I had more knowledge than I had before. And I, had, I was more sensitive to vibrations of people. And I think anybody can have that. Uh, like if I go into a mall, there's so many people and so many things in the mall, it could overload my circuits. That had never happened before my near-death experience. I can, uh, as an attorney, I can feel if a jury is with me or if a jury is not with me. I can, you know, not, not that I don't go to trial as much as I used to anymore, but I can feel when somebody understands what I'm saying. But I think anybody has the capacity to do that. I don't think the near-death experience enhanced me anymore. It just might have opened up a little door in my mind that wasn't there before. Have you noticed that you got any other abilities that you hadn't had before? A lot of people in the near-death group come back and they say they have healing abilities and those kind of things. I don't think I have anything like that. I think that we all have the ability to put your hand on somebody and make them feel comfortable 
and make their mind uh, realize things that they didn't realize before through our conversations and make people feel more comfortable. And I think that because of this near-death experience, I've read different books and have different experiences that have allowed me to be able to do that. But I think anybody can do it. I don't think it, I don't attribute it to the near-death experience. Now, you said you remembered a lifetime of being a cowboy. Did you recall that or see that during your NDE or afterwards? Well, I remembered it when I came back. There were, you know, when you are everything that ever was or ever will be, and you know everything, it's, it's something that's inexplicable. And, and I know that I had so, so many, many lifetimes that I led, I might've led everybody's lifetime. I, you know, it's, it's, I can't bring that knowledge back with me, but that was the one lifetime that I did remember. And then why did I remember that? I don't know, but it, that knowledge came back with me. It was one of the straight edges that came back with me. And it was, it was, it, and it answered the question for me because it, you know, nowadays, I, I'm still attracted to women that have muscles. You know, I'm, I'm still attracted to a, a girl that walks down the street and has a, a, a bulging calf. You know, and 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 it, it, the other thing is, it's kind of like we're a spiritual being in a physical body. So we are so much more than just this physical body and this limited mind. We're not trapped in a body. I believe we choose to be in this body. Some people believe, well, I have a, a a contract with the universe that I chose this particular lifetime because I have something to fulfill in this life. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that way because when I die, I know I'm going to know everything anyway. So I could choose to give this life meaning, or I could choose not to have meaning in my life. I, I I think that's the way most people live. And I don't think there's a reason that I'm here. It doesn't matter if there's a reason that I'm here. The point is I'm here and I can enjoy being here. I could I could touch this chair. Uh give you another example. I I didn't know what happened to me when I came back. And so I I tried to put it into words and I tried to explain it to people. And and I don't know if they understood me or not, but what I used to say is, let's say you're the only thing that ever was or ever will be, and there's nothing but you. And you're all by yourself. You're, you're not a person. You're just whatever is. And you're lonely. You have nothing to do. So you decide that from yourself, you're going to make a chair. And it's great being a chair. You have molecules. You have four legs. It's wonderful being a chair. but After a while, it gets to be a little boring just being a chair. So you decide you're going to make a table. So now you're a chair and you're a table, and that's really great too, but that doesn't do it for you. So you decide you're going to create a man who can think and reason, and you're going to get into his head, and you're going to think that you're only him. But you can't do that because he'll be all by himself too. So you create a whole universe from yourself. And you create a whole bunch of people and you get into each one of their heads and you think you're only them. Now, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying that 
it makes sense. And, but everything that makes sense doesn't mean it's true. But it's the only way I could explain what happened to me. And, and it's a possibility that maybe that is true. And, and, and if it is, then I am it all. You know, I've, I've, another thing that happened to me every once in a while, I wear glasses, I have contacts in now. And about 10 years ago, I'm traveling down Commercial Boulevard. Commercial Boulevard is a straight, long street in, that comes from Fort Lauderdale and goes west. And it's just a long street and it has lights on every few, you know, every four yards or whatever it is. And I'm traveling at night and I flip my glasses up and all those lights go into infinity, you know, it, it, in my mind. It's, and I know that if I'm ready, I can follow it into infinity and I could leave this lifetime. But I'm not ready to do that. I don't want I'm, I'm I'm you know, I can't talk to you. I can't be on this video if I'm everything that ever was or ever will be. I believe we come here to play, to enjoy the physical, because I was not in the physical for a while. And being, you can't imagine what it's like to be everything that was or ever will be. I wanted to come back. And I did. And 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 is so is this lifetime really an illusion or not? I don't care. All I know is I'm here and I'm real and I'm making this lifetime real. Since on the other side we all join the ocean, this drop of water, as you said, becomes the ocean again. To me, that would mean that you and I and everybody else on the planet ultimately are one. Do you ever view other people as yourself? There's two levels of thought here. On one level, I'm me, and the rest of the world is the rest of the world. On the other level, yes, <laughs> I'm everybody that ever was or ever will be. You know, it's it's like I'm alive and dead at the same time, although dead is not the right term for it, because I don't believe you really die. You just become what you are, you know, and, and you know, it, to try to explain it, it's kind of like the booby prize. I've stopped trying to figure it out because if you go throughout your whole life trying to figure everything out and trying to know the secret of the universe, you're just going to frustrate yourself, or at least that's what happens to me. Because for a while there, I tried to do that. I tried to make sense out of what happened to me. And, and I stopped doing that a long time ago, and I realized there's two levels of thought in my life, and that's just the way my life is going to be. And, and sometimes the two levels of thought help me in my decision making and sometimes it hurts me in my decision making so it doesn't mean that i'm the smartest person in the world because i had this experience because i still have this limited brain in this physical world why do you think so many people here are unhappy i think because they're searching for happiness uh i think that when you're in this world this world, like I said before, is full of dichotomies. There's happiness, there's sadness. You can't have happiness without sadness. So invariably during your life, you're going to have sad times, you're going to have good times. And if you're going to think you're only going to have good times all your life, you're going to be very disappointed 
and very frustrated. As long as you take the good with the bad, the hot with the cold, the love with the hate, and realize that that's all part of life and just relax into it, you are going to be unhappy. And I think most people are striving to do things with their life and they don't realize that they're here to, I mean, when I came back, I just was so glad I can breathe, see the sky, see the ocean, see the trees and the green grass. I mean, all of those things are miracles. You know, imagine the sunset. Imagine if you only had one sunset a year, how amazing people would be to go watch that sunset. But we, we do it every single day. It's like we become alive every day. We can choose to make a new life for ourselves each day we become alive. Each day that we still wake up and the sun comes out, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. We have the power of our own thoughts and we can choose to enjoy life or we can choose not to enjoy life. So I don't know if that's any advice for people because people have to come to that conclusion by themselves. But I don't believe everybody is unhappy. I believe there are a lot of happy people. I've, you know, I try to surround myself with people that think like me, that people are, are happy like me. But I, I did that even before I had the near-death experience. It's nice to be with people that make you laugh, that, that make you see reality in a different way. Like I, I have a fish tank in my office. I have a few fish tanks. I'm the god of those fish. You know, they're having a wonderful life. I only put fish in there that get along. I feed them every day. I change their water. And it's kind of like that's what you should be doing in your own life. Be your own fish tank and bring things into that tank that you want that make you happy. Bring things into the tank that challenge you. Bring things into the your tank that increase your understanding of yourself and of the people around you. Do you feel like it is just as real over there as it is here or even more real? Once again, we're getting into the nature of reality. Mm. You know, it, it, you know, when with the ultimate knowledge, it's so much more than what we experience here. It's so vastly incredible that I can't explain how different it is. You know, obviously, this is real. As far as I'm concerned, people say, oh, come on, this is just an imagination. This life doesn't mean anything. Uh, you can give your life meaning, like I said before. But w when you say what's more real, it's all part of the same. It's, a, it's all part of the same, except I'm not limited by this mind there. You really can't call it a place. I'm not limited by my body anymore. I'm everything and all-knowing. And that is the most amazing feeling of love that you could ever have. And I know that when the time comes, I'll be back there. And we will all be back there. 
it's it's just that is the nature of my reality now and i don't have to figure it out because i know that that's what will happen do you fear death at all no i feel being disabled but i certainly don't feel death i mean death there is no such thing as death as far as i'm concerned and and if when i i don't want to die i don't want to leave my family i have i have a wonderful loving wife and i have an amazing daughter and i don't i wouldn't want to leave them you know maybe there'll come a time when death will be appropriate uh, timing is kind of everything in life if and, and time doesn't really exist there so time is a wonderful thing i mean people you know i'm growing older and people say you know you can't do the same things you did when you were younger but i my father was a tremendous wonderful guy too and he he grew old and he had a a great time growing old he appreciated his life and i kind of tried to do that too and and when you talk about time and space that's something that we can have here and we could either enjoy it or think it's a burden. And I think that it's an enjoyable thing that we're limited by time and space because I wouldn't have come back if I didn't want to be limited by time and space. What do you think inspires you about your NDE? My NDE at first made me very frustrated because I know that I have the ability to do so much more I have the ability to dislocate my molecules and walk through walls. Obviously, I can't do that. And I wanted to do that when I came back. I wanted, you know, it was almost like when I came back, I, uh, you know, I was only 20 at the time. I thought I was God. I, you know, and maybe we all are part of God. And, uh, and being that we're part of God doesn't make us God. Obviously, not in this physical world. But once you die, you are it all. And, 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 and how do you explain that to people? You can't because people think, oh, you're out of your mind. You know, I remember when I, I tried to explain this to my wife a few times. She's like, oh, Mark, come on, leave me alone. I've heard this story many times. Just don't, don't bother me with that. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've, most wives think guys are crazy anyway, right? So I'm no different. Obviously, during your life, people have passed on since your NDE, when someone in your life dies, like perhaps your father, are you sad when they die or you're not really, you know, or it doesn't bother you because you know they're transitioning to someplace amazing? Well, there again, there's two levels of thought. On one level, of course, I'm very sad when they die, but I know if that was their time, if that was their time. Uh, I remember when my grandmother died, it happened, she died very soon after my near-death experience. And at that time, I thought I could put my hand on her head and bring her back and cure her. And obviously, I couldn't do that. And I was very sad that I couldn't. Obviously, I, I know that I can't do that now. And when it was time for my father to die, I was very sad. But I knew that he was fine. And my mother died. I was sad because because they're not in the world with us anymore. There's a there's a hole in your heart when that happens. And even when my dog died, there you know I I there's a hole that that dog filled in my heart, and a part of me 
goes with everybody that dies. And obviously you got to get over it, you know? So, but on one hand, I know that they're everything that ever was or ever will be. And they're, they're absolutely fine. And there's, there's nothing that I can do about it. On the other hand, you miss them and you're sad because it's part of your life that will never come back. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask questions or chit chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they reach you? Well, I have a Facebook. Uh, it's on, with my name, Mark, M-A-R-K, Bockstein, B-O-C-K-S-T-E-I-N. I don't give advice to people, but if people want to talk to me, they're welcome to. Uh, my office phone is 954-370-3862. My Facebook is year, or my email is yearmaster at AOL.com. Like, I'm the master of my year, which I wish I was. Y-E-A-R-M-A-S-T-E-R at AOL.com. I think we've pretty much covered most of this uh give you one other example if you close your eyes and you couldn't see and you couldn't hear and you couldn't taste and you couldn't smell and you had no senses you would be part of everything that ever was or ever will be so that's just a thought to take with you so if you had no senses to discriminate yourself from the rest of the universe what would you be so that's a question for, but that's the question of the ages. Plato asked that question. Uh, Socrates asked that question. You know, people think that we are such an, an advanced civilization that we've, that we have all uh, such more knowledge than those guys did. And I don't think, I think we're just on the same par. You know, we are not any smarter. We are not any further advanced. In fact, if you look at the world, uh, the world is not a great place right now. You know, then, uh, unless you surround yourself and make your own little utopia, you're stuck in a place where people have so much conflict. The countries can't even get along. Our, our parties can't even get along. Uh, you know, I don't understand how this world got to this place. When I was a kid, I grew up in the 50s. And in the 60s, at that point, I thought the world was going to be wonderful. I thought we were going to be utopia by now. I thought there'd be no more war. I thought there'd be no more disease. I thought there would be no more famine. I thought that by now we would solve all of those problems. Unfortunately, it looks like mankind took the wrong turn. I'm very disappointed with where we've come it, since those days, because I always thought things were going to get better and better and better. And I'm hoping that maybe we'll turn back to the right way and things will get better. But, you know, right now, I don't see how we are any different than things were during Plato's times. And maybe we're not supposed to be. I don't know. I've stopped trying to figure it out. And I just try to make my life as nice as I can, knowing that there's going to be conflict. And it depends on how I react to that conflict 
that matters. Because if I react and blow up and get all excited and lose my temper, then I lose. Then I become a slave to things that can change my life. If I react calmly and I accept reality as it is, and I don't overreact and I keep myself calm, that is the way I try to live my life. Do I always do it? No. But at least I have the the mentality and the knowledge to try to act like that in my life. One of my guests told me that sometimes near-death experiencers will share something with each other that they normally will not share with the public. Is that true? And two, if so, would you share something with us? The way I see it is people who have had near-death experiences understand what happened to me because it happened to them too. Now, some of them... uh, don't have exactly the same experience that I have. And sometimes if I relate to them, what happened to me, it'll fill one of their pieces of their puzzle. And sometimes they'll, what happened to them will fill a blank in my puzzle. Uh, I sometimes, well, I, I know when I'm talking to somebody, whether I could share this kind of an experience with them or not, uh, whether they'll benefit from it or whether they'll just, you know, ignore it. There's no reason to fill somebody's mind with these kind of things if they're not ready to hear it. So there's no secret that I have hiding. You know, I've pretty much given you an example of what happened to me and what my thought process is about what happened to me. And I think I've pretty much shared all that I can. Uh, Unless I get another insight from another piece of the puzzle tomorrow, then maybe I'll have something else to share with you. Are you still getting insights from time to time? Every once in a while, yes. Every, every once in a while it happens. It's, it's almost as if I have, it, I have it all stored in a trap door in my mind. And every once in a while, the trap door opens a little bit. Something slips out and then it shuts tight again. You know, and, and, and I get the view of it all again. I remember one time I was sleeping with my wife and I woke up and I, got, I had it. And I ran to the tape recorder because I wanted to talk about it on the tape because I knew I was, and I lost it. And I lost it again. So those, but I think that happens to, to anybody. And, you know, just like everybody has deja vus, you know, people are on different vibration levels. And maybe my vibration level changed a little bit after my near-death experience. I don't know if that's really true or not, but it's possible. And, and because you could feel somebody else's vibrations. I think anybody can do that. And you know if you want to be with that person or if you don't want to be with that person, you want to talk to that person, you want to have a relationship with that person, or you don't. And uh, so I think the vibration level of people... Uh, make you comfortable or make you not comfortable. Mark, are you working on anything that you would like people to know about? Well, I've been writing books forever, but I never get them published. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm writing a book right now, uh, which incorporates 
kind of the near-death experience, but it's not just about the near-death experience. It's about most of these things that we talked about, and it has real characters. One of my favorite authors is John McDonald. He wrote the Travis McGee series. I don't know if you ever read any of those books. It's, it's about a character that lives in Fort Lauderdale on, on, on one of these slips by the ocean. And the thoughts of the main character are so wonderful. You know, he talks about uh, relationships with men and women. He talks about good and evil, all incorporated in, in all of his novels. He wrote 21 books with the same character. And since my 30s, I've read all 21 books every decade of my life. And I've gotten different understandings from the book in each different decade. So this is a 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, as I read it over again in my 70s, I'm getting more insights from this author because he's such an amazing author, John D. McDonald. And most every bookstore has his books. He died, I think it was 1986. And I was disappointed because there was no more books. You know, 20, but 21 books is enough. And usually when I recommend those books to somebody, if they read one book, they'll read them more. It's just, it's just the most incredible. He, he describes characters so well, and he describes the human condition so well that I would like to be able to write a book like that. And that's what I strive to do. And maybe someday I'll get it done. We'll see. You mentioned earlier about how you can understand the jury better. Has this NDE affected the way you practice law at all? I'm not sure. I think people that need me somehow are directed to me. I think that, and now whether that has anything to do with my death experience, I don't think. It's just that it's my perception. And perhaps it's true. Perhaps it's not. But I feel that there are too many serendipities that happen in my lifetime for it to be a mistake or for it to be random. And uh, and sometimes people that need me find me and sometimes I can help them and sometimes I can't help them. And uh, most of the time I can make them understand where they are. And unfortunately, there's a terrible drug problem in our country nowadays. And, uh, and sometimes these people flock to me. They might commit a crime. They might have done something that they shouldn't have done. And I can direct them. And if I could make them understand that they really need help, that they really have a problem, they can help themselves. And, and AA helps people and different organizations help people. And I could direct them to those things. So it's not just about the law. It's about the way I live my life. All right, Mark. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Well, all I can say is within my consciousness is everything that I need. And it's the same way with anybody else. And you could enjoy your life or not enjoy your life. The choice is yours. The choice is yours to make your life meaningful or to make your life not meaningful. And it doesn't matter one way or the other once you're dead because you're a long time dead. So thank you for interviewing me. And I had a great time during this interview.
Thank you for being my guest and have a great rest of your day. God bless and may the world have some peace. That would be nice. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.